Getting rid of fear in our lives can sometimes be very difficult, but with God's help, we're able to detox that from our souls. This is the eighth message in the series, Whose Friend Are You? The message is entitled, Detox Your Soul, Part Two. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Let's dive into tonight's message. We're going to conclude uh, the, the message that I started last weekend uh, in, entitled, uh, Whose Friend Are You? We're going to continue in the series together, but I'm going to conclude the message that I started last weekend talking about detoxing your soul. And so let's sort of shift gears and get right into tonight's message. We're looking at the whole idea of relationships, the value of relationships in our life. First of all and foremost, our relationship with God, nothing more important than you having a relationship with God. Jesus was asked the question one day, what is the most important commandment of all? And Jesus said, here it is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So in that very succinct statement, Jesus let us understand what the priorities of life really need to be, loving God and loving one another. Now, of course, loving God, that's what we talk about on a consistent basis, but I would say to you tonight that you can't really effectively love God unless you love people, and so you have to learn how to bring these two things together, and so if you don't understand how to love people, you're missing a dimension of being able to love God because God loves people. God is pro-people. Aren't you glad about that? He's for you. He is not against you, and he's for us having meaningful and uh, rich relationships with one another. And that really means this. It means that if you and I are going to have the right relationships with people, we need to be the right kind of people ourselves. In fact, the most important thing you'll ever do to, to make sure you have right relationships in your life is for you to become better as a person. Because when you improve you, everything around you improves. Everywhere you go, you bring a different you with you. And so as you and I are growing in our faith, growing in our relationship with God and learning the principles of relationships, we actually are able to improve the relationships of life. There's no better relational manual than this book called the Bible. Amen? No better relational manual. You can read all the self-help books in the world. Nothing wrong with reading good self-help books. But I will tell you, there's nothing like the Bible when it comes to us understanding how to relate to God, obviously, and to one another. Now, last weekend, we talked about this whole idea of detoxifying your soul. If you're going to be a better version of you, you've got to make sure you're getting the poison out of your system. You've got to get the toxicity out of your system because toxic people produce toxic relationships. Poison people, poison people, hurt people, hurting people, hurt people. And so the, if we're going to, if you will, uh, enhance the relationships around us, we need to make sure that the stream of our life is purified, that the stream of our heart has been cleaned out. And I started last week with the verse of Scripture that I'm going to start with again this week, a little bit of foundation, uh, or a reminder for where we were last week before we actually dive into the heart of tonight's message. But the Bible says, above all else, guard your your heart, we used another word there last week because it's, it's, the, uh, it's the same word here, uh, same meaning of the word, guard your soul, your heart, your soul. Uh, above all else, guard your heart, your heart, your soul, for everything you do does what? Flows from it. So the Bible says your heart is extremely important. 
I drew this little diagram last week. I'll draw it again for you tonight. Uh, actually, I didn't draw it for you guys last week because the screen wasn't working, but you'll see it now on the board here. In the centermost part of your being, you and I are tripartite beings. You're not just a body walking around with a heart, if you will, uh, even in terms of the emotional heart, but you are three parts. God is three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and when he made you, he made you in his image, and so you are a three-part being. In the center of your being, the most important part of your life is your spirit. That relates to God. And then, of course, there is your soul or your heart, as we're talking about. A lot of these terms are interchangeable in Scripture. They're used in a variety of ways. Then, of course, your body is the, if you will, it is the, the thing, the tent that carries around your eternal nature. This body is going to go away one day. Uh, we all will die unless Jesus comes back before that time. It goes into the dust, as it said, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. But your spirit and your soul will be eternal. And the beautiful thing, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, one day, you get a glorified body. You get a brand new body uh, given to you, made for eternity, an immortal body that is promised to us by God. And by the way, those of you who have loved ones who've gone on to heaven, which many of us have, my mother passed away just a few weeks ago, I will tell you and remind you today, they are already experiencing the beauty of being set free from the limitations of this natural body that we have. Their spirit and their soul is still alive. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Can I get an amen right there? Okay, it's great to know that, all right? So we're tripartite beings, spirit, soul, and body. The Bible says above all else, guard your heart or your soul, okay? Above all else, guard this, this portion of your life. What is the heart? What is the soul? It is your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's how you relate to the world around you. You relate to the world by your thinking. That's part of your soul. You relate to the world by your emotions, by your will. I should say by your volition, by your choices, and by your emotions, by your feelings. This is how you interact with people. It's how you live your life. And the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart or your soul. Why? Because out of it is going to flow all the issues of your life. The psalmist David understood the importance of this, and he made this prayer to God. We read it last week. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Why? Because your heart is the most important thing. Out of it flows everything in your life. So he says, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. That is, I don't know about. You don't know everything that's in your heart always. God does. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting way, the path that brings me back to you. And so this is one of many prayers you'll find in the Bible where different people, many times David in the Psalms, is asking God to do a work in his heart, in his soul, in that part of his being where he interacts most with the world around him. In fact, we find another example of this in Psalm 23. In the 23rd Psalm that you're very familiar with, I'm sure, it says this. Again, the psalmist David is writing these words, the Lord is my shepherd. By the way, if you've not made the Lord your shepherd, that's the beginning point for everything. You need him to be the shepherd 
of your life. You don't need to be your own shepherd. You don't need other people trying to shepherd you. You need the Lord shepherding your life. There's only one leader who's worthy of having that place in your life, and that is the Lord. Can I get an amen right there, okay? Nobody else is worthy of that place in your life. Nobody will lead you like the Lord can lead you. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes, notice this, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. The green pastures is reference to his word that he wants to get us to get into the nourishment of his word. The still waters represents the ministry of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit, invisible, yes, but very real, takes the word of God and makes it real to our lives. He leads me, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He does what? He, say it with me, he. Help me out here. He does what? He restores my soul, my heart, my soul. That is, he takes his word and applied to us by his spirit. He does a work where? In our soul, and then he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I want you to notice that there's a sequence here. A lot of folks don't get the sequence. The Lord is your shepherd, and as the Lord is your shepherd, then the next thing he wants to do is make you lie down in the green pastures of his word to get you into his word. You've made a great choice this weekend to be in the house of God, to get God's word in you. Hopefully you're reading your Bible on a consistent basis, feeding on God's word. And whenever the, wherever the word is, the spirit is. You can't separate the word from the spirit. Wherever the word of God is taught or the word of God is read, the spirit of God is there to bring that quietness of, of still waters to you because here's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to restore your soul so you can walk in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Here's the problem. A lot of people are trying to walk in paths of righteousness, but they haven't let God restore their soul. They still have a broken soul. They have st still have a lot of toxicity in their soul. They still have a lot of pain and bruised places in their soul. They still have a lot of poison in their soul. And so they're always wondering, why can't I do right? Why can't I walk the way I want to walk and do what I need to do in my life to please God? I'm always stumbling up. Why? Because the issue is not where you walk. The issue is where your soul is because as your soul gets healthier, your walk will get healthier. The healthier you are internally, the healthier your walk will be with God. Now, the, 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 the Apostle Paul makes reference to this as well in 1 Thessalonians. Again, I'm laying foundation for where we're going to go in just a, just a few moments. He prays this prayer for the Thessalonian believers, for us as well, because it's given to us by the Holy Spirit. Now may the God of peace himself, that's God, the Lord, the shepherd, God himself, sanctify you. Don't get uh, hung up on that word. I'll come back to it in a moment. Sanctify you. How? Through and... Does that include your spirit, soul, and body? We'll see in a moment. Absolutely. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. And that word only means this. It means to make you holy or also to make you whole, okay? To put your life back together again. To help you to be healthy because healthy with God is also holy with God. You can't be healthy with God without also being holy with God. And so may he sanctify you, set you apart, make you healthy and holy and whole through and through. That is, separate you from profane and vulgar things. This is the amplified version. Make you pure and... There's a word again, whole and undamaged. It goes on to say, consecrated to him, set apart for his purpose, and may your spirit and... Your spirit and... 
soul and body be kept complete, be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what I'm laying out for you this weekend is that God wants to do something in your soul. Okay. He saves you. Your spirit is made new in Christ when you invite Jesus into your life. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And man, it's a great day because you're born again. You're alive for the first time in your life. When you meet Jesus, you came alive. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead came to live in you when you accepted Jesus. That ought to make you jump to your feet and shout hallelujah, okay? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead came to live in you, in your spirit, when you were born again. You don't have a problem with your spirit because God is living in your spirit. You are born again if you've met Jesus as Lord of your life. And so you have a spirit where Jesus is living in you. The problem is the spirit doesn't have all of you yet, and that's where your soul comes into functionality. Your soul needs to be restored, and so does mine. It is a lifelong process, but it's a very important process that we, you and I, need to pursue. And part of getting your soul right is to get the poison out of your soul, because I will tell you something as I'm laying out this message for you. Poison, toxicity in your soul will not only destroy you, they will just, it will destroy the relationships in your life. It certainly will diminish the relationships of your life. So here's what I'm going to do for the next few moments. I'm going to lay out four of the most common poisons that get into people's souls, okay? It's not complicated, but I'm going to share with you tonight. You can probably say, oh, I kind of knew that, but I'm not, I'm asking you to go beyond, yeah, I kind of knew that too. I really need to know that, okay? Because it's one thing to say, yeah, I kind of knew that, but it's another thing when you say, I really needed to know that for me, okay? I needed to understand this in my own life. And so we're going to look at four sort of basic categories or four aspects of poison that will get into your soul and not only ruin you, but ruin your relationships. The first one, very common, very real, it's the poison of fear. I would submit to you tonight that one of the most prevalent ways the the devil, our adversary, adversary traffics in our life is through this very thing called fear. Fear is a big deal, okay? I tell you what we've gone through this last year has generated, rightly so in some ways in terms of just the caution in which we've had to live by and so forth, but above and beyond that, I think the devil's had a heyday trying to generate a lot of fear inside of all of us, right? And in many different ways, the adversary is one of his tricks, as we'll see in a moment, going back to the very beginning of time, that fear, when fear gets in your soul, fear does a lot of damaging things to you and a lot of damaging things to your relationships. What is the origin of fear in humanity? The origin of fear in humanity goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, God said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and Adam and Eve ate of that tree instead. As soon as they did, they recognized, oh, we've sinned against God. They realized they were naked, and the Bible says something about this in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 8. Notice what happens then. Then the man and his wife heard, they've, they've formed fig leaves to cover themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And what did they do? They, they hid from the Lord. So now hiding. They'd never in their entire experience hidden from anybody. 
They'd not hidden from each other. They'd not hidden from God. But suddenly, because of this broken relationship with God, they hid from him, hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was... We're three chapters into the Bible, and suddenly now what has appeared? Fear was never there before. Fear never existed. Adam and Eve did not even understand the concept of fear prior to their fall into sin. He says, I, I, I now realize that, that I had a broken relationship with you, God, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Here's what I want you to understand. Fear always attacks intimacy. This thing has a mind of its own. It suddenly decided to change colors on me. Okay, that's all right. Fear always attacks intimacy. And what is one of the most valuable things in a relationship? What is it? I'm not talking about physical intimacy. I'm talking about emotional intimacy. When I say I want to get to know you as a person, I'm saying I want to learn more about you. I want to have some some transparency so we can really get to know each other at a level where we can appreciate who one another may be. And so that's what intimacy is. And so fear always attacks intimacy. Did Adam's Adam's sin against God affect his intimacy with God? Why? Because he was afraid and he started to hide. And so the Bible's very, very clear about that. It was a direct result of sin. Adam and Eve felt fear. Now, fear will poison the relationships of your life. Let me mention several ways that fear will poison the relationships of your life. Think with me for a moment how fear affects you in a relationship. It affects your security and what you tend to have is insecurity if you're afraid. And have you ever made some really bad decisions in a relationship because you were insecure and your insecurity caused you to do things or connect with people that were not good for you in your life? It was all based in fear. Fear creates worry. Worry goes to war against relationships. You get two people that are worrying and anxious and concerned about stuff. It's hard for them to communicate. It's hard for them to connect. It results in intimidating behaviors. What I've learned about this over the years is that when people are intimidated themselves, oftentimes they try to intimidate others to protect themselves. And so a lot of people who appear to be very intimidating externally, the reality is they're very intimidated themselves. And so they're using intimidation as a defense mechanism in their life. It's fear behind all of it. Fear will lead you to isolation. How many people just isolate themselves because they're afraid? It leads to domination control. A lot of people who are afraid want to control everything in their life. Now, all those things that I've mentioned, insecurity, and and another one I would mention is jealousy and envy and worry and intimidation and isolation and control. Are any of those things good for a relationship? There's not a single one of those things that are good for any relationship in your life. They will always be counterproductive to relationships. So let me talk to you about how you get out of fear. Anybody would like to break the pattern of fear in your life? Only a couple of you? Okay, the rest of you can sleep for the next few moments. We'll be fine, okay? How do we break the pattern of fear? I'm going to give you a simple process. It's it's simple, but it's hard to do. Even though it's simple concepts, we have to work to do this. The first thing you have to do to break fear is you have to give God the control of your life, okay? As long as you're controlling your life, 
you're going to be in trouble because controlling your life generates fear because you can't control your life. So as soon as you're trying to control your life, you're, you're worried about this and you're concerned about that and you're, you don't know what's coming down the road this way or what's coming down the road that way. And so this, this aspect of living is very fatiguing. It is, it is tiring to try to be God. It's really tiring because only God can be God. And so if you're trying to control your life, you're going to be very, very, not only tired and fatigued, but you're going to be continually battling this thing called fear. And so at some point, you've got to come to this place and say, God, I just give it up to you. I can't control my life, but I know that you can. We'll get to the essence of that in just a moment. Here's some scriptures. Here's one example of that. Don't be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present, give your request to God, the Bible says. And so when you and I come to God, we say, God, we're going to just put it all over on you. Take a look at this verse right here in Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. There's a promise that's given to us. Here's the second thing that is essential to this. It goes along with the first. Trust in God's love and care for you. This is how you get rid of fear in your life. When fear comes in, number one, I got to give this to God. I can't control this. I've got to turn it over to him. I can't handle it myself. And then I'm going to trust in the fact that God loves me and God cares about me. Now, if God loves you, is he going to do what's best for you? If he cares about you, is he going to take care of everything that goes on in your life? Can you have the confidence that you can trust God? And does that not bring peace to your life? Take a look at this particular verse. Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. The Bible says, when, or the psalmist prays, when I am afraid, I put my trust in myself. Is that what it says? No, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Now, some of you are saying, I don't understand what trust is. Yes, you do. You're demonstrating it right now. A few moments ago when we all sat down, and when I said, let's sit down after worship, you sat down. I didn't see a single one of you check your seat out to make sure it was going to handle you. You plopped yourself right down without thinking about it. That's called trust. That's all it is. Trust is not complicated. Trust is saying, God, I'm just going to plop myself right down on you and have confidence that you're going to be able to handle everything going on in my life. Let's go now to the next thing. There is no fear in love, but perfect love does what? It drives out what? Fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made per perfect in love. It's a confidence of love. Here's our third thing that's necessary for overcoming fear. You have to do what? Everybody say that word with me. Reject. Let me this is, give you the most simple definition I can give you for reject. If you are at your house and the... UPS guy comes or the Amazon guy comes or whoever comes to bring you the stuff that you order and they show up at your house and they hand you a package and it has the wrong name on it. You never ordered it. It doesn't belong to you. What will you do? 
Well, I guess I'll just take it. They brought it to my house, okay? Return to reject it. So I don't, that package is not mine, okay? So when the devil shows up in your life, when fear starts coming your way, you and I have to practice, it's not easy, but we have to practice saying, no, we don't take those packages here. This is not fear, we don't let fear come through the door of our house. No, this is a no fear zone. We don't accept that package when it comes, and you have to stand up against it. You have to rise up and say, no, see, a rejection is no, I'm not going to take that. No, it's not going to be mine. No, I will not receive that package. And the Bible is also very clear on this rejection of fear thing. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. You can say no. That's what self-discipline is all about. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, if God God says, do not. Does God say do not about a lot of things, right? Do not lie. Do not commit, commit murder. We could go on and on all the do nots that God says. Well, here's another do not. What is the do not here? Do not what? Do not be afraid. Don't accept it in your life. That's not saying that you and I will not feel those emotions at times. We all feel them, but we need to reject the package and send it back. And then the next thing, last thing I'll mention here is be confident that you matter to God. It goes back to what we've talked about before, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Would you read this together with me? For I, this is God speaking, for I know, read it with me, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper for you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God is not going to harm you. He's not going to harm you. Let's go to the next one. I'm going to cover these. Got to move quickly. The next one is the, the poison of the past. This is the second kind of poison that will really, really get you into trouble. The past is like baggage that you carry with you. We've, we talked about that before. It involves the sins and failures and mistakes of your life. It involves the hurt that you may experience. It might be a resentment that you have towards someone that you haven't processed. It's still inside of you. It might be enmeshments as relationships that, that, that you need to let go of in your life because they're still holding you back in the past. Somebody's still holding on to your life in some way, and you're enmeshed in that relationship. You haven't let it go. It might be regrets if I'd only done this or only done that. What you need to understand is that God wants to help you to get rid of all that is is a burden to your life, and all it is is poison to your relationships. If you're always dragging your past with you, listen, you don't have energy, you don't have the energy necessary to deal with the present because you only have a certain amount of bandwidth in your life. Just like anything else, you only have a certain amount of energy and you don't have the energy to deal with yesterday and to deal with the future, trying to control that. You have nothing left for the present, okay? And the only time you can actually live as it's been said, the present is called the present because it's a present, okay? It's your gift. It's what the only thing you have in your life right now is right now. You don't even know if you're going to be here tomorrow, okay? And if you're living in the past or trying to live in the future, you, you don't have any bandwidth for right now in your life. 
And so I want to help you really quickly here to understand how to offload this stuff. Here's the thing you have to do. Make sure you're receiving God's forgiveness. Our God is a forgiving God. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you, and he wipes the slate completely clean. He no longer remembers your sins against you. That is extremely important to understand. God forgives when you and I confess and turn away. And then you have to forgive yourself. This is the big part for a lot of people. What benefit are you receiving from continuing to condemn yourself for something that is in your past? What good is it doing to you? It's doing you absolutely no good at all. If God has forgiven you, then you need to then forgive yourself. And then the next thing you have to do is invite God to heal your wounds. There are wounds that are left in your life from past relationships, past mistakes, past things that have happened. Yes, you and I have scars, but you can invite him. The Bible says, by his stripes, we were healed. By his stripes, our wounds are made whole. The Bible is very clear about the fact that God loves to heal the brokenhearted. The next thing that is valuable here is to forgive people fully from the heart. You can't carry that person around with you. Some of you are still carrying people around in your heart that you haven't seen for 10 years, but you're still mad at them about something and they're still living in you. They've gone on in their life and doing all kinds of other things, but you still carry them around with you because you haven't let them go. Go ahead and forgive them and release them. It's doing you absolutely no good at all. The next one's very similar. Let go of enmeshments. What I mean by that is if you're still hanging on to a relationship that was back there somewhere and you haven't cut the strings of your heart from that thing, you need to get out some Holy Ghost scissors and go ahead and cut that tie and say, that one doesn't exist in my life anymore. I'm not going to let that thing be a part of that relationship, continue to hound me. It's over with. It is done. Look, if they walked out of your life, you need to let them go too. Come on, I got a yes somewhere back there, okay? I'm telling you, okay? There's people, you're dragging people around with you. Well, why am I so tired? I know why you're so tired, because you're dragging all your past around with you, and people that you need to let go of, they're no good for you anymore. Just go ahead and get those Holy Ghost scissors out and say, goodbye. (laughs) Amen? Okay. Here's the key. Redeem your regrets by redefining them as lessons. When you look back on your life and you say, that was a mess. Why not? It didn't stop thinking that way and say, what did I learn from that? All that was, I paid for some education. Education always costs you something. And sometimes it costs you some mistakes along the way. But if you'll redeem it from a regret into a lesson that you learn, then it has value in your life. Can I get an amen as we move on? All right. I'm just moving through these things quickly. Next one is the poison of present practices and patterns. This is extremely uh, uh, important to grasp as well. Quite often, the, the poison that's getting in your soul, sometimes it's not coming from your past. Sometimes it actually is coming from your present by some of the stuff that you're doing right now, by the ways that you think. You know, you can poison yourself by your own thinking. Did you know that? The way you and I think before long, I can think myself into a pretty deep hole. Can you? You ever done that before? Like, how did I get here? Oh, I dug my own pit, okay? I dug my own pit with my thinking. And so if you're thinking in certain patterns, this is why the Bible says you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
And a good way to do that is I'll just plug real quickly here. If you haven't gotten into the book, Unleashed, it's a great way to begin to learn who you are in Christ and understand the affirmations that need to be a part of your life. And there's some, re, uh, some copies out in the, in the resource area out there, but I would, that's a good way to start the renewing process. You can pollute yourself by the way you think. You're just polluting your mind with thoughts that are negative or thoughts that are contrary to who you want to be. You can pollute yourself by, by your behavior. You know, you, the, 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 if you watch certain things on television or certain movies, you know what you're doing oftentimes? You're just drinking poison. Boy, it got quiet in here. Just by what you're watching, because what you're watching on television or the movie you went to is not consistent with your Christian values anyway, and so what are you doing? You're just pouring stuff inside to your soul, okay? Because the gateway to your soul are your eyes and your ears primarily, and so you're pouring that poison in, and you're wondering, why am I having so much trouble in my life? And the way you're choosing to handle your emotions, anything that's in the present, you have to stop and say, wait a minute, is there some poisonous ways that I'm processing things in my life right now? Notice Ephesians 4, 17 and 18. So I tell you this, Paul says, and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. He was referring to people there who didn't have a relationship with God and the futility of their think as wasteful thinking, bad thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Notice that their thinking process, how they're choosing to live is affecting what they're hearts. Notice this passage. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And then Galatians 5, 19 through 21, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit, will not experience, if you will, the benefits of the kingdom of God. I want to experience the benefits of the kingdom of God. How about you? And so if I'm going to experience the benefits of the kingdom of God, I've got to pay attention to the choices I'm making in my life now to make sure I'm not poisoning myself without even realizing it. Last thing we'll conclude with today is the poison, what I would call, actually we'll skip that one, I'll come back to it later, the poison of self in our lives that we actually have to get ourselves off of the throne of our lives. Self. The essence of sin is living for yourself. I've told you before, the best way to define sin is S-I-N, and the central word, in, the central letter in S-I-N is I. That's right in the center of it, right? Okay. So I want to do this. I don't care what God says, I want to do this. So self-centered living or self-righteous living or self sabotaging living or self-pitying living or self-victimizing living or self-destructive living, all those things, what do they have at the center of them? Self. 
as long as we make ourselves the center of our lives, concern only about ourselves, then we're going to find that our life is going to be poisoned because you were not made by God to live just for you. And as long as all you're thinking about or all that I'm thinking about is myself, it's going to lead me to poisonous things inside of my soul. Jesus said, ask the question, what is the most important commandment of all? We started with this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Notice it didn't, he, he brought those two together. I've heard it described this way, and I would probably describe it just quite a little bit different, but I'll give it to you this way because it's, I think it's meaningful. Maybe it's a good acronym to receive in your life to think about this. How many of you want joy in your life? Right? We all want joy. I want more joy in my life. One of the best ways to get joy in your life, I was taught, I was taught this in Sunday school back when I was a little kid, and I've remembered it my entire life. Don't always practice it, but try to. That the pathway to joy is as simple as three little words. Okay? Always put Jesus first. That's where it all starts. We talked about that earlier. Always, includes, always include others in your life, thinking about them and what their needs are. And then always know that yourself comes last in the sense of your, 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 your passion for just what you want to do in your life. Don't, put, don't ever put it before Jesus. Always keep it at a place where he is always in charge of your life. And the Bible, and the Bible I think, is very clear that these principles do work in our life. Jesus first. Always make room for others. And never let self be the dominating force in your life. When you and I make that choice, we're able to more fully experience this pathway toward joy. What are we talking about this weekend? We're talking about getting the poison out of your system, out of your soul. He restores my soul. And my prayer for you, my prayer for me, my prayer for all of us, is that God would help us to get all the fear out. Amen? That there would be a washing of our fear because fear is always affecting relationships. That God would help us to sever those issues from our past, that our past that we can let go of that stuff. We don't live in that. It's not eating up our energy anymore. That God would grant us the grace to be able to walk beyond that anymore in our lives. That God would give us wisdom to know how to use our resources in the present so we're not inviting poison into our system. And that God would help us to always make sure that we're not letting self be the dominating force in our lives. And when you and I make those choices... We allow God to begin to restore our soul, and as we are restored in our soul, we walk in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Every relationship gets better when your soul is healthy. Would you bow your heads together with me as we pray? Father, we thank you so much for your word this evening. We're grateful. We so much appreciate the fact that you've given us the truth of your word to guide us, to direct us, to make us lie down in those green pastures, and to lead us beside those still waters to restore our souls. And I pray in the name of Jesus that as we've heard your word this weekend, that, Lord, you would begin to drive fear from our lives, that dominating fear that affects not only us, but affects our relationships. Lord, I pray in the wonderful name of Jesus, the name above every name, that, Lord, those things from the past that we're still dragging around with us, Father, I pray that tonight would be a moment that there would be a, a true deliverance from the control of those things in our lives. Help us to let go, to receive your grace and your forgiveness, to walk further from 
from the truth that you've taught us and the lessons that we've learned. Father, I pray that you'll give us the ability to walk away from habits in our life that might be poisoning our system and things we may be inviting in just that we don't even think about at times. Help us to close those doors. And Father, help us to always keep you on the throne of our lives and never put self there. Holy Spirit, empower us with this, we pray. In the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord, our Master. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus. I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.